All right, welcome to the conversation. We've got a lot more guns being bought in this country. By the way, crime's also up. Those things might be related in two different ways, but we're gonna bring on an expert to talk about it. Chuck Marino is the CEO of Sentinel Security Solutions. He's a former Department of Homeland Security Advisor for Janet Napolitano, and he's former Secret Service Supervisory Special Agent. Chuck, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, good to be with you. No problem. All right, so first of all, Chuck, it appears that it is not the usual suspects buying guns over the last year. It appears to be a much more diverse group of folks. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, let's talk about the year we've just gone through, right, with the with the pandemic. And on top of that, we also had the defund police initiative following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And what a lot of Americans are, are witnessing is that they're Local law enforcement department, their local officers are being limited in terms of the job that they can do to protect those citizens in the communities. I think we first need to start and agree that you know the the primary concern for American citizens year upon year is their number one concern is their safety and security. And if the government, if they feel that the government can't provide that for them, they're going to take steps to do that themselves. And that's where the problem comes in. Yeah, and it's interesting because there's a lot of things that are happening here at once, right? In the beginning of the pandemic, people were worried yeah. that, oh my God, we're gonna have shortages and everybody's got guns. So then they figured, oh my God, if I'm the only one without a gun, I might be in trouble, right? Then we right. had right. the protest. But what's interesting is, it's not just a reaction that you would normally see out of the protests where the right wing go, "Oh my God, they're coming for us, and we're going to go get the guns to protect ourselves. But it was also a lot of minorities who were worried that the police were going to kill them and that they needed a gun. And they were also worried, some of them were also worried about the protests and the and the riots that came out of it, et cetera. and And so I just want to give some stats here to the audience. Firearms industry data shows that sales went up by fifty percent for black customers. 47% for Hispanics and 43% for Asian Americans. And of course, there was a, um, a wave of violence against Asian Americans as well. So within that, yeah. is Chuck, have you seen this before? Or is this like relatively new where left-wingers, minorities, etc., are going to get guns at a much higher rate? No, as you as you mentioned, I mean, there's a you know a national shortage on ammunition. I mean, these are these are things that we haven't seen in any recent history here in terms of gun sales, ammunition sales, and really, I think you know to be frank, that it's just the whole narrative of what's been going on this year has really been good for for no one. Right, we know Tim Scott and Cory Booker are, are working on national police reform efforts. Listen, everyone in law enforcement will tell you, of course, the profession can be better. But has it been good to kind of villainize eight hundred thousand men and women based on the actions of a few? You know, I don't think that's been good for anybody. It certainly hasn't been good for the country, and certainly for the past year, law enforcement has been kind of taking the hammer in terms of being criticized and and put on the sidelines. And I think everybody's just very concerned about that because one thing that everyone does agree on is that they feel comfortable seeing police in their communities. Now, can community policing programs be stronger? You betcha. Can training be better? Yep. Technology available to the police officers, they should have it. 
But none of this involves defunding. It actually involves more money and spending it more wisely. Yeah, see Chuck, that's where we disagree. Um, so I, I don't think it's true at all that more, more everybody feels safer with police around. I mean, I think if you asked uh, the average black man in this country, let alone black woman, uh, you would not get that answer. Um, so that doesn't mean they're in favor of defunding the police. I've seen the polling on that, right? And and defunding the police is not a helpful frame. Uh, it's not a good slogan, right? Because it's it's right. it's it's misleading. It, they're not saying get rid of the police. They're saying yeah. take some portion of the money and spend it on social services for the mentally ill, etc. Instead of putting it all into into hammers, if you will, uh, and then yeah. everything seems like a nail. Um, but unless you're in Minneapolis, right, and where they do want to dismantle the police. Well, some small portion of the left wing does, and um, mm -hmm. and so look. Uh, but Chuck, the policing in this country is not—it's not a few bad apples. Uh, so th that's where our, the heart of our disagreement might be. It's the culture is to use overwhelming force and. And it's not just against minorities. We've now covered endless stories where they shoot white people far too quickly. Now, of course, if they're poor or middle class, rich are completely different. They're above the law. But, but yeah, they're they're taught don't take any chances, put them down, and that's that's a huge problem in this country. Do you agree or disagree with that? I don't think it's as bad as you make it out to be. I think listen, they they police officers are trained to use deadly force when needed to protect life, right, and liberty. And if someone's got a weapon, then they've got to use deadly force, unfortunately, to, to match that threat. But I mean, yeah, are there mistakes made? Yes. Is there a grotesque use of force like we saw by Derek Chauvin against George Floyd, where nobody is trained to do that across law enforcement? And he was quickly you know, demonized for taking the actions that he did. You betcha. I mean, that disgusted a lot of people across law enforcement. That's just did not it? what you're trained to. But it, I, it did. Absolutely. Because, because did. Chuck, all the other cops there um, saw him doing it live. And they let him do it and they helped him do it. Why? Because of the culture. You know that. You know the culture is don't ever, ever disagree with another officer, no matter what they're doing in public. Uh, always back them up. That's what the whole th thin blue line is. We're a gang and we're going to protect our own. There are things where officers are trained. They need to be trained to be more vocal. When they see something wrong, they need to speak up. They need to stop it. You're, you're right. In that situation, he should have been knocked off George Floyd or taken off or dragged off by the other officers. You're exactly right. And that's part of the training. But you know, a lot of these officers, you know, they're they're working 12, 14 hours a day. Um, they're being promised training time. They're not getting training time. I mean, some of these guys are qualifying with their handguns maybe one time a year if they're lucky. Is that really what we want in police officers out on the street? That's what that's what you know the defunding is doing here to police departments. And you know, we need to get away that from that. So, but Chuck, what, why not? So here's the situation. So when we give more money to policing, does it go towards better training? No, most of the time it goes towards tanks and more heavily militarized police, and it puts them in a state of mind of an occupation rather than serving the community. I saw them rolling down the street in Los Angeles with tanks. I mean, it's absurd. It's totally absurd. Yeah. And that's what they're spending the money on. So do I want to defund that portion of it? Sure, I do. 
and and look, but an even more core issue is when you talk about the training. So we've covered stories on the show where we show, in fact, we did a story on Monday where we showed no, the cops, not, it doesn't appear the cop is planting false evidence. That's what the video looked like. But no, if you look at the whole video, you see that's not the case. We've covered stories where we a cop shoots someone and it turns out they did have a weapon and they were turning around. There you don't have a choice, you have to shoot, right? right. But, but Chuck, right. far too often, they're not sure it's a weapon and it turns out to be a cell phone or nothing at all. Because I'm afraid the training is telling him, don't take any risks. If you think maybe, maybe they have a weapon, just kill them. And you know this slogan, better to be judged by 12 than carried out by six. Mm -hmm. And that, so are we ever gonna fix the training where we tell them, no, you have to be relatively certain that it's a weapon, which means yes, you have to take some risk with your life, but that's what being a police officer is, because we don't want you shooting innocent civilians. Yeah, I think, listen, this is where, I, I mean, you and I have a lot of common ground on this. And that is, there's a lot of technology out there, right, to help de-escalate, to use less than lethal force uh, where you can. And we have to make all those things available to the police officers. Listen, one thing you and I are gonna agree on right off the bat, is it acceptable in this day and age that a police department in the 21st century still doesn't have body-worn cameras on their officers? No I think that's yeah. ridiculous, yep. right? I think that's ridiculous that there's a police department or two that exist in this country whose officers still don't have these cameras. And you want you want to know one jurisdiction that still doesn't have them? Portland. And and why don't they have them? Because the mayor says he doesn't have the money to get them for the police officers. So my question naturally is, well, where are these millions of dollars in grants from the Department of Homeland Security and Department of Justice that are supposed to be used for technologies just like that? So there you have politics coming into play where for some reason, the mayor Wheeler in Portland doesn't want his officers to have body worn cameras. And I think that's unfair to both the officers and the citizens of Portland. Yeah, the body cameras are, you're right, we totally agree on right? that would be the very first thing that I would fund. And and, yeah. and US Marshals have a similar issue at the federal level and it's totally unacceptable. And the, video, right. and the videos are making a difference in public perception, which eventually leads mm -hmm. hopefully to the right solutions. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm true. not I'm not overly convinced that the bipartisan group that you mentioned earlier are, are gonna come up with meaningful reform. Uh, but uh, but I hope they do, and I hope the public pressure leads to more and more reform. Uh, yeah. But um, unfortunately, we're out of time. There's more I want to talk to you about in regards to the uh, the crime spree and, and the potential reasons. But we'll do that in another day. Chuck Marino, uh, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me. Back on the conversation on the TRT network. Let me give you an amazing stat first. Um, 20% of the country not only doesn't believe in taking the vaccine for coronavirus, but they believe that the government is planting a chip inside the vaccine to follow them. By the way, if you want to know where the chip is that follows you around, it's right here, it's on your phone, okay? So you don't, the government doesn't need to put it into your blood system, you're all carrying it around and corporations are following you. And some of those same corporations unfortunately are helping to spread the misinformation about coronavirus in the first place. But we're in a situation where one fifth of the country has lost its mind. Let's talk to someone who's an expert on healthcare and let's see if we can begin to fix it.
Uh, Laura Packard is founder of Healthcare Voices. She's gone through significant healthcare issues herself, including stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. She's speak, spoken at the Democratic National Convention. Uh, Laura, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So on, on this uh, COVID situation, um, obviously Joe Biden talked about how Facebook is killing people, then he walked back that comment, but social media is an issue. So how much of an issue do you think it is for spreading misinformation? And then the hardest question of all, what can be done about it? Well, the unvaccinated are not all one group of people. Some people, they may not logistically be able to get access to a vaccine. Maybe they have disabilities, maybe they're homebound, or maybe they are a shift worker and they don't have time off for recovery from the vaccine. But there's also a significant number of Americans that refuse to get vaccinated and they spout a bunch of garbage for why they won't do it. And social media is amplifying the misinformation and causing this epidemic of lies. Yeah, so I want to get back get back to how, how to disprove them in a second, but because it's so frustrating. I mean, you called it garbage, and it's so look, I don't know how you disprove that there aren't chips in the vaccine that track you, right? But I do know that now 99.5% of the deaths or for the unvaccinated. So that's a fact, all the doctors in the country are not making it up in unison because Soros or Fauci is making them. That's insanity, although 20% of the country has lost their minds. But part of the reason they've lost their minds is because they're not getting the correct information. And and Lord, that happens to a lot of folks on a lot of different issues. And I joke around about on the show, when my dad first went on Facebook, he's in his 80s now, he's like, it's amazing how much people care about Turkish news. Because he thought everybody's seeing the same thing that he's seeing on Facebook, right? He doesn't know that it's personalized. I've talked to QAnon people on this show, and they have no idea what's happening in the outside world because they're only getting certain information, and and they're viewing it as authoritative. So, now that's a super hard thing to fix. Do you have any ideas on how to fix that? Well, these social media platforms are delivering a funnel to radicalism. You start watching one YouTube video and YouTube will show you more like it. You join one Facebook group and Facebook will recommend others like it. So they're taking people down this ladder to extremism and they make half-hearted statements about, oh, they're cleaning things up, Oh, they'll get rid of the misinformation. But even today, even right now, how do you report somebody on Twitter who is tweeting lies about the vaccine, there's no easy button to report these falsehoods. And there certainly isn't the infrastructure on the back end to take care of it. Yeah, look, and it's so complicated and nuanced because I don't want to go back to the bad old days where you only had corporate media. And and so there our show is online and we've gotten correct information to millions upon millions, tens of millions of people, right? And we're also on traditional media. And so it's there's no easy answer here. But honestly, I think Twitter's the worst. And Twitter has its own upsides too. Sometimes you can influence people in power or reporters or etc, right? But Twitter does nothing about trolls and bots and over the top Violent statements, it's, it's the violent statements sometimes they do something about, depends on if you're powerful enough, big enough, etc, right? But 
given that you I don't want to end social media, given that it has upsides, is there any like simple steps that they can take and haven't taken to at least thwart some of this misinformation? Well, some people have done a report of the top 12 misinformation spreaders on Facebook in particular. I'm not sure which good government nonprofit did that report, but this information is out there on who the worst people are and how their content is still being amplified through social media platforms. So even if this is an entire iceberg of a problem, you could at least start taking care of the misinformation at the top and stop amplifying it. Whether or not you want to restrict somebody's account like the social media platforms have done with former President Trump, you can at least make sure that your algorithm is not promoting anti-vax groups to people when they sign up for one. And that the YouTube algorithm isn't forwarding people to more and more extremist propaganda. Yeah. Of course, if you're in business, you especially in digital media, you know that they want to keep people on their platforms as long as possible. And the way that you keep people on there longer is by constantly giving them things that reinforce their current opinion. So then it becomes a loop and it makes it nearly impossible to get out. That's why the QAnon people that I've talked to, they're not even aware of any other information. And because they stopped watching TV, they never, a lot of them didn't read the newspapers in the first place. And since they're getting their information only from that vicious loop of misinformation, they genuinely believe it. I mean, look, a gigantic majority of Republicans believe that Joe Biden did not win the election. That Trump won it, and and that that the majority of Republicans believe the January sixth riot at the Capitol was Joe Biden's fault, not Donald Trump's fault. So it, it's, but Laura, we got to go to the second half of that conversation, which is apparently a lot of people were susceptible to this in the first place, and and so how do you talk to someone? And I'm exhausted trying to talk to them. How do you talk to someone and say every doctor in the country? Isn't lying. If they can't understand that simple concept, uh oh. I mean, we got a mental health issue that is larger than we suspect in society. Well, there it sounds like, at least in the last few days, in some southern states, the rate of vaccination is increasing. And that might be because the media is covering doctors and people and people whose family members have died from this misinformation. Those stories are starting to be told more. So it looks as though that's increased the vaccination rate at least a little bit. But I don't want everybody in this country to have to lose somebody they love before they wake up and realize that you would much rather have the vaccine than have the virus. I got vaccinated, I had a little bit of a fever, sore arm for a day or so, I was tired, I slept it off. My stepfather got COVID-19 and he is no longer here. Yeah, no, I read the story today of a Republican congressman. He's had coronavirus twice now. And didn't get vaccinated, and now his wife has it. Now his one of his kids has it, and then at the very end of the story was the kicker that oh by the way, his father-in-law already died from coronavirus, and he still won't get the vaccine because Trump he thinks I guess that Trump doesn't want him to, or Tucker Carlson doesn't want him to. So, Laura, I look, I I just I'm at a point. I think a lot of people are at a point where they want to 
just throw their hands up and go, if you guys just want to form a death cult, I, I don't know what to do about it. Good luck to you. Well, the problem is that the larger the unvaccinated population, the more coronavirus is circulating in our communities, the more variants there are going to be that can evade the virus. Or just people that have already been vaccinated that get hit with this Delta variant. I have friends that have been vaccinated and they got sick just because there's so much COVID-19 circulating in the communities. So it affects everybody when somebody doesn't get vaccinated. And one of the worst parts is you know that every single person on primetime Fox News has been vaccinated. Trump's been vaccinated, his family's been vaccinated. So they do one thing in the privacy of their own homes. And then when they get on television, they tell their audience something else. Now it's the same thing they did with mail-in balloting. They all did mail-in balloting and then said we should take away mail-in balloting for everybody else. And but. Laura, I really think it's a mental health issue more than anything else. I mean, 20% of the country has honestly lost its mind. They see Trump hold up a picture of him sending in his mail-in ballot, and they go, that's right, we gotta hate the libs who are doing mail-in ballots, even though they just see their demigod doing it right there. They don't care about facts anymore. What do you, I mean, and the Republican Party, if we're being honest about it, has trained them not to care about facts for a long time. 99% of the world's scientists say that there's climate change. They go, no, I think scientists in India and Brazil and America and Russia all got together in France, everywhere else, and they all decided to lie about temperature readings. That's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yes. There's, there's an island, I believe it's North, off North Carolina, where the island is literally dying because of climate change. Though the water's rising, it's flooding people out. And yet uh, they voted for Trump because somehow Two plus two doesn't equal four. And I don't know what you do about that. If people are so resistant to facts, it's not gonna be you or I that reach them. It's probably gonna be their family and their doctors. And I just hope that somebody reaches them soon. All right, well, we did get one good thing out of this interview. I just came up with a new term, anti-factors. Okay, <laughs> they're not just anti-vaxxers, they're against facts. And and we Anna and I talked about it in the show on Monday. The guys who said, "Oh well, no, I want Trump to build a wall," and then they realize their property is in Mexico and America, in Texas, and they voted against their own interests. And they're like, "Oh no!" Right? And people who have undocumented immigrants in their families voted for Trump. My uncle in 2016, when is Muslim, he voted for Trump, who wanted the Muslim ban. And propaganda is an amazing thing. And I think going forward for all issues, including this healthcare issue, everything is a media war. That's just the facts of yes. today. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that there's at least one major cable network that their their business, their profit is in lies. Yeah, Fox News. Um, okay, <laughs> and then there's smaller ones that do it as well. All right, Laura Packard, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.